electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, Brian Kelly, and Dan Nathan. It is a quantitative quarrel. President Trump and Jerome Powell facing off as Trump doubles down on his push for the Federal Reserve to cut rates, but the market already knows who the winner is. We will explain. And check out energy soaring today, the best performing sector. And JP Morgan says this trade is about to catch fire. We will show you the chart that could point to even bigger gains ahead. But first, we start off with the markets, the S&P 500 locking in its seventh day in a row of gains. That is its longest winning streak since October 2017, now less than 2% away from its all-time high. Check out the champions this week. Win up a whopping 18%. Advanced micro devices soaring 14%. Delta Airlines jumping 12%. And look at that Macy's move up 6%. So be a perfect time to play a little bit of... Trade it or fade it. Lock it right out of the winners. gates. We're going to get right to it, guys, on here. We don't need to explain how this works. Grasso, we kick it off with you. Win, trade it, or fade it. So I'm going to say fade this one. But a lot of things have gone right. You had China. <laughs> that actually scared <laughs> Delayed reaction. So you had Macau Gaming. Exactly. Macau Gaming was up. Basically, that's the last push in this one. No China recession or earnings recession there. But I, I do believe that it's front-loaded. And I think you have to fade it at this point as a lot in the numbers already. See, I, 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 we, we've been talking so much, and, and I realize you're not terribly sold on the global recovery, et cetera. But, I mean, look, bottom line is I think a lot of Wynn's pain has been not only Macau but just a China trade and, and certainly some pressure on a lot of the, the casinos and those that are mostly exposed to Asia. By the way, I don't think Wynn is just a Macau property story. I think actually what's going on in Massachusetts, they've got a couple new uh, properties opening up. And I think the valuation relative to the peer group is most compelling here. So I'm actually trading this one. Mm. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I, and I'm, I'm going with you on the trade on that one as well. I, listen, I, I do think that China is a big driver of this. If that economy is going to be do, doing better, if they're stimulating it, that's going to help them. But they have a lot of other growth levers that are going on. Obviously, they had some, some serious PR issues last year. It appears they've gotten through that. And now if they can start growing here in the U.S., I think that'll be helpful. It's up 42% year to date, though. So I think a lot of that Almost. is probably in the, in the numbers. And if the China trade deal is lackluster, then it could already be Our in. Our president told and us it's going to be great. Oh. So, so the you know what? I, I take it back. It's exactly. yeah, true. They, bo- the they both president. said it, but yeah. I think that's a reason why you see, obviously, Macau numbers were the reason why the latest spike that we saw are up. But I think a lot of this is the China trade positive already in the stock price. All right. Let's uh, talk a little AMD here. Tim Seymour, this is yours. Trade it or fade yeah, it? Yeah, let me come right out of the gates. Be clear. I'm going to fade this one. And, and I realize that probably I would have gotten the stock wrong also in the early part of last year when it went on a heroic tear. It's up 77 percent off the lows. But get to the fundamentals. Look, I think demand is really actually kind of soft. And I think these guys may see an inventory drag into the second half part of the year. So uh, after what I think is a combination of, I think people got certainly into the momentum trade on the downside and short of this. I think there's been some short covering. They had some decent numbers, um, but I would fade this one 
Say it again. Tim. Yeah, so I would also fade it. It's up 50% since they reported their Q4 earnings in January. And I got to say that the sentiment into that print was really poor. Now it's obviously the exact opposite situation when you talk about the potential for that inventory drag into the second half. I think it's real. I just want to also mention that 2018 for this stock was phenomenal. You take out that move that it had in late Q3, early Q4, um, it actually showed some pretty good relative strength into the end of Q4. So the stock acts great. It's got great management. They're really kind of well positioned. They took advantage of some um, some problems that Intel had last year. I'm just not buying the stock into their Q1 print up 55% of the year. Peaks? I don't know how to say this, but I would wait for a pullback, then trade it. Does that make fade, sense? Fade, What is game is that? Fade? The rules of well, the game? So, I, mean, oh. I guess it's a trade, but I mean, listen, it's, it's up. It's had a really good run here. It's, it's correlated with global PMIs. That's fantastic. But I think it's a prove-me story. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So I would either buy it on a pullback, or if you get that momentum through 30 bucks, that's what I, I would buy. I would fade it, but okay. is, it, is it based on it at all? Is it based on Bitcoin action at all? Because if you overlay the charts, that used to be what pushed it? It shouldn't be. So Let's had, put it so that you, way. Had an analyst downgrade Intel and upgrade, or I shouldn't say they didn't upgrade AMD, but they said they noted competition from AMD on Intel. So you would think it would be bullish, bullish, but I think with the stock bullish, spiking bullish. this much, it is a volatile number, and I would not be that in could it be right now. a new now. game, by the way. What? Bullish, bullish, bullish. 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 Yeah, just bullish, bullish, bullish. 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 really bullish, 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 bullish. All right, we're gonna move on here. Delta, Brian Kelly, fade or trade it? Uh, bullish, bullish on this one. I actually, I like Delta here. So if we're getting a global recovery, Delta's most exposed to that. It's had a tremendous week. You've got momentum going on. They've got earnings on Wednesday. The only caveat I'd say is obviously at some point oil becomes a bit of a drag potentially to this. But I think this is exposed to the global recovery, China deal. You name it, it's in this stock. I don't I mean, oil, should, should, we would see... Uh, price caps, right? Because once oil gets to a certain point, you would think that the U.S. producer would kick in and start producing a lot and bring that price down. Yeah, so with airlines, I know this is what it's often brought up. It's the same way with interest rates and home builders, and it's relevant, except for the fact that airlines do a good job or bad job hedging, and usually also airlines uh, like higher oil prices because it allows them pricing power to actually add on prices. Mm -hmm. So I actually don't think this is negative. Uh, I think for Delta, we just got that first quarter update. They give that, uh, in other words, it it was as expected, but the numbers were better than expected in terms of the revenue per available seat miles. The valuation to me is what's most attractive, best in the group, nice dividend, stay long. Well, I think the other stuff was the non-fuel costs didn't go up as much as they thought they were going to go up. So I think that was a tailwind here. But this is about the Amex deal being pushed forward. This is about guidance being pushed uh, higher. So I think this is bullish. They didn't have that exposure to Boeing. So that was a, a bullish uh, tailwind. So bullish, bullish. 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 Yeah. yeah, but I, I would say faded. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa. That was a total yeah, bear. I, I just think from a trading standpoint, you had this news. It was unexpected. The stock went parabolic this week, right? And you know that they have this earnings event. The likelihood of them being able to follow up whatever it is that they did this week, next week is not great. And I think you probably should have at least a consolidation, possibly a pullback. All right. Fair? This one's for Dan. Macy's traded mm. or paid it. <clears throat> Here's the deal. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, I thought that was for effect. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm yeah. trading this nice. one, and I'll tell you why. I, I think oh, that here's a situation wow. yeah. where not I know that you guys that. love the valuation. The sentiment is just downright horrible. The consumer data has been a bit mixed, but I think what's going on, let me tell you, all these department stores, they look like death. I mean, you look at the Nordstrom's, you look at some of the others, they just look like death. Structurally, there's some problems there. Um, but expectations are really low. I mean, I think we're looking for a double-digit earnings decline this year, flat sales of $25 billion. 
Here's my take on a Macy's that has this sort of brand. I think ultimately, if you see this kind of online bricks and mortar, this sort of thing, I don't think these guys are going to be able to figure it out on their own, the Omni Channel. I think we're going to see some broader partnerships. That's going to happen in 2019. So I think it's cheap at eight times earnings. I think you trade it. I, totally I would trade this one too. Yeah. I would trade this one too. Holy and cow. I think the consensus has been bearish, bearish in this name. <laughs> and it's worth the market cap is just under $8 billion. I think that in a perfect world for Macy's, it will be worth $20 billion. So I would be bullish, bullish. This is not the name of the game, by the way. Trade it or fade it. All right. Um, bonus yeah. round. We've right. got a little Love time. Me. Bonus round. Because the S&P 500 is about 2% from all-time highs, trade it or fade it. Tim. Um, I, I'm talking about a short-term outlook here. Um, I think it continues to squeeze higher. And the back of the, the, the numbers we had today towards the U.S. economy, the numbers we had this week, uh, global PMIs actually are, are better than U.S. numbers these days. You trade the S&P here. Yeah, you trade it. It's bullish, bullish. I mean, basically, listen, if every single central bank and every government wants to stimulate, that's positive for stocks. At some point, it becomes a negative, but I don't think that's today. Bullish, bullish, trade it. All right. We've got a news alert here on Boeing. Shares are down in the after-hour session. Our Phil LeBeau joins us now with the latest. Phil. And Melissa, it's not often. In fact, you've got to go back a number of years. The last time I can remember Boeing cutting production on the 737, I think you've got to go back pre-recession. It it doesn't happen very often. I know they did right after 9-11. That's what they're doing here at the 737 plant in Renton, Washington. The production level was at 52 per month. By the middle of this month, they will be reducing it back to 42 per month. That's a 20% cut. Bringing it back to levels last seen in 2016, in announcing this move, the company made it very clear they are going to be busy focusing on the 737 MAX software fix, getting that certified by the FAA and other regulators, and then getting this plane back in the air again so it's not grounded. And in the meantime, they thought the prudent thing would be not to continue building at the current rate. So they're cutting production by 20%. The ripple effect, if you will, in the aviation industry and for suppliers, it's already being seen after hours. Spirit Aerosystems, they build the fuselage for the 737 MAX uh, in Wichita, Kansas. They're noticing a hit this afternoon. United Technologies provides a lot of avionics and other components to Boeing. They're feeling some pressure. And then you've got General Electric, which is not seeing as much pressure. We should note that GE Aviation tells me it will not, it will not be cutting production of the Leap 1B engine. That is the engine that goes on the 737 MAX. So as you take a look at shares of Boeing, keep in mind that the focus right now for this company is getting this 737 MAX software fix finalized, potentially in the coming weeks, and then getting it to regulators. How long it takes them, Melissa, is hard to say. Most on Wall Street are saying, look, if you think this plane's going to be in the air before June 1st, that's very optimistic. I'm increasingly hearing people say, I wouldn't be surprised if the grounding lasts well into June, if not potentially later. All right, Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau LeBeau joining us from Chicago with this move after hours. Boeing is down 10 percent since the deadly Ethiopian crash. Dan, what do you think? Uh, that's it, 10%. I mean, when you think about it, if you look at expectations. From basically for, all-time highs. No, I, it, it just, I, I find it astounding. 350 people lost their lives within five months in something that it looks like that this company is going to be found to be very negligent on, okay? And if it's knowingly, I think that there's going to be, um, I think there's going to be a huge impact. And I think that the, the delay in the production is just the start of it. Analysts are expecting 25% year-over-year EPS growth in 2019, 10% revenue growth, the highest which in five or so years. 
years. How do those numbers still exist where they are? So to me, I find it very curious. I'm, I'm shocked that the stock trades where it is. Presumably, all of those forecasts will have to come down after this production cut. Yeah, yeah, so we're still, think, right? we're still playing the game. Dan's obviously fading it. Um, I would actually trade Bearish, it. Bearish. Um, and if, <laughs> no, but I, this, this production cut is not a surprise, right? This should not be a surprise at all. Yesterday they announced a second software fix that they have to go through. I actually think this is um, probably not only the, the thing to do, the only thing to do, but I think it's probably good news for the company. They have to go back and actually act like they're you know, essentially working through some of these problems. The fact that they are still effectively grounded on this plane also doesn't, you know, doesn't I think it takes the pressure off, frankly. What Dan talked about, look, you, you can't underestimate the impact, and certainly the calamity here is enormous. But without that, this production cut, that headline just now, that doesn't worry me at all. All right, coming up, check out this mystery chart. J.P. Morgan says this chart points to a major energy rally ahead. We'll tell you why they're so bullish. Plus, Lyft in full gear. The stock is back above its IPO price, but one trader says do not buy this stock. He'll explain how to play the wild ride. An earnings season ramping up next week, but there is one stock that could be heading for an earnings disaster. We've got all the details. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I personally think uh, the Fed should drop rates. I think they really slowed us down. There's no inflation. I would say in terms of quantitative tightening, it should actually now be quantitative easing. Uh, Very little, if any, inflation. And I think they should drop rates and they should get rid of quantitative tightening. You would see a, a rocket ship. Despite that, we're doing very well. That was President Trump earlier this morning doubling down on his call from last week for the Fed to cut rates and move to quantitative easing. It doesn't look like the market, though, thinks Trump will get his way. We didn't see any sort of rally in terms of equities on these headlines. We didn't see much of movement in the bond markets. And the dollar would typically take a hit. The Fed gets more dovish. It's sitting near the highs of the year. So is the market actually betting that the Fed will stand its ground and that Trump will not get his way? Uh, Yeah, not surprising. We heard a a lot of Parts of those statements were totally conflicting and really on some level didn't make any sense. So, sorry. I I think, you know, what I like about our Federal Reserve is that they've got a mandate that tends to be independent. It should be independent of what the White House is doing. (laughs) Bottom line here is look at the payroll number we had this morning. Wages were mildly soft, but you had 190,000 jobs added. You had some revisions. We had ISM this week that was fine. Um, This economy does not warrant a 50% basis. The Fed changing gears. The market already did. The market already did. That's also fair. Right. So the market already did run. So I think he's just stating what the market wanted, right? The market wanted uh, the end of QT, and the market wanted the end of robotic. Yeah, but this sounds like more. So, so I, I, don't, I don't think that they're going to get their cut 
right now. I don't think the market thinks that they're going to get their cut right now, but it's addicted to easy money. So I don't think he said anything that was uh, not correct, but he uses his barometer. As a you think we need to cut? Look, I would say, you think we need to cut? Listen, I, no, I, no. What, what I'm saying is that the market—if he said you will see a market skyrocket if the, if they cut rates, you will see a market skyrocket. That's that's what this has been about. I, yeah, I'm not sure that we look at the market today. You look at the dollar; it was stronger today. I don't think that's a reflection of the market thinking the Fed is not going to cut rates. It's more a reflection of what's going on in Europe. You have a European Central Bank meeting next week. The real question with currencies now is who's going to be more dovish faster? And the odds are that the Europeans are going to be more dovish faster. And you get the dollar breakout. I mean, it is around $98 on the Dixie. It's about to break out, it looks to me. But would the dovish race be won by Europe still if the Fed cut interest rates by 50 basis points? If they cut them before Europe did on Wednesday or Thursday. But the process to get from the Fed to get from the stance they are now to a rate cut, to a 50 basis basis point rate cut, is going to take multiple meetings, whereas the Europeans are likely going to do it next week. So in that case, you could have a huge move in the dollar. If the dollar, yeah, if it breaks out above 98, I think you could see a very, very big move in the dollar. Well, the question is, where are, you know, central bank differentials? And, and, you know, Brian's also just talking about some of the the dysfunction in in the European Union. I I think the bottom line here is that the Fed has basically made a very, very quick change in direction, and that alone is what has had the market correct. Um, 50 bips more, don't see. Yeah, with the S&P, though, up 15% of the year, pr- approaching those prior all-time highs, if we were to get into an ultra-dovish thing, it would be, a, I think, a disaster for equities. I really do. I just think that if you think about, you talk about inverting the yield curve, you'd probably have that happen. We're at the 210 spreads at 15 basis points or something like that. That would happen very quickly, and then we're on, we're on re- recession watch. At that All right, um, let's talk about oil prices, because obviously the dollar move will impact Oil prices, theoretically, a, a dollar breakout would cause lower oil prices. J.P. Morgan, though, is not worried about that. This is our chart of the day. J.P. Morgan says energy stocks uh, are the best risk-reward sector out there. Oil is at its highest level of the year, above 65 bucks a barrel. But take a look. Uh, while the energy sector is up 18% this year, it has lagged behind crude. They're saying that every subsector of energy has underperformed the physical oil commodity, and that is going to cause a catch-up trade. They also say oil short interest is very high at mm-hmm. this point. They also say asset managers are either underweight oil or they've cut back their coverage of the stocks to a point where it indicates that they, they don't really care about the sector too much. Yeah, and I, I think there's a question about you know, people, is there some kind of change in the secular demand for oil? I don't think that's the case. If you just look at how oil is traded, every piece of negative news for oil, all of the, all the market did was suck up that news and go higher. So I think you have an opportunity here with the oil-related stocks, XLE, all of those. I think you can just buy a basket of them here. Oil looks like it wants to go substantially higher, even if the dollar goes higher, even if the economy gets weak. It doesn't seem to matter for oil. It looks like it's going higher. E&P, by the way, is a subsector that they that Morgan Stanley likes the most. Yeah, people have been hiding in the uh, large integrated names uh, out of safety and concern, and oil has not backed up. So you want to get into it's going to be a leveraged squeeze into a lot of these names. The way you set up this spot was people were underinvested, and I think that's the case, is that people are underinvested in the subsector and that's what they're reaching for right now. I don't believe they should, but I believe that's what's going on. All right, we've got a news alert on Lyft. Leslie Picker's got the story. Leslie. 
Hey, Melissa, this is a statement from Morgan Stanley in response to a report in the information which said that Lyft sent a letter uh, to Morgan Stanley asking for more questions about whether or not they created a product designed specifically to short Lyft shares and skirt lockup requirements. That was from the New York Post earlier this week. Now, Morgan Stanley saying in response to that article that they did not execute directly or indirectly a sale short sale, hedge swap, or transfer of risk or value associated with Lyft stock for any Lyft shareholder identified by the company or otherwise known to us to be the subject of a Lyft lockup agreement. They say their firm's activity has been in the normal course of market making, and any suggestion that Morgan Stanley engaged in an effort to apply short pressure to Lyft is false. Now, I'm told by a person familiar with Morgan Stanley's inner workings that they are currently working on a response to Lyft now. Back over to you. All right, Leslie, thank you. Leslie Picker at the New York Stock Exchange with the latest. Love much more on Lyft on Options Action in the next uh, half hour. Oh, oh, Yep. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. Here's what else is coming up on Fast. Somebody stop me. It seems like nothing can stop this market rally. But if you miss the run, don't worry. The Chartmaster says there's one group of stocks that will help you get in on the party. Is this March Madness? I love March Madness. Me too. And at the final four this week, two stocks are getting ready to go head to head. The traders will tell you who the real champion will be. There's much more Fast Money after this. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. The NCAA championship heating up as the final four teams prepare to go head-to-head this weekend. But there is a competition off the courts as well. Nike and Under Armour each representing two of the final four men's teams. Under Armour CEO Kevin Plank talking to CNBC's Sarah Eisen in an exclusive interview earlier today discussing the company's growth both domestically and abroad. Just seeing the energy for this brand and being to have this, this global basis that we can build on, it's a really powerful foot for us to build on. It allows us to put North America, you know, stabilize North America, which we've been able to do over the last couple of years, and now we can you know, get, our, get our, our ducks in a row and really start to march forward. So I feel great about where we are and where we're heading. So as two of the biggest names in sportswear face-off, we thought it'd be the perfect time to play a little Would You Rather. Chock full of games tonight. So Grasso, <laughs> Under Armour or Probably Nike? So I would go with Under Armour. It's outperformed Nike uh, this year, to up 21% versus up 15% for Nike. And it's about North America. The problem is <clears throat> if they can stabilize North America, it was basically down around uh, 2%, while international was up 
you know, somewhere in the mid-teens. The problem is international is only about 25% of revenues. So they need to stabilize North America. This will help them. I think the brand exposure, the exposure period in North America should help them. I'd stay with Under Armour. That's my would you rather. I think the exact, you're exactly right on stabilization is the key here between the two, right? Nike, we know what they have. The chart actually, to me, looks like it wants to break a little bit lower. But Under Armour, if they can stabilize here, it's probably the better bet. So I would trade it bullish, bullish. That's crazy. I mean, I, I, it's not even close to me. I mean, Nike is so far ahead of these guys to me in terms of where their business, they're actually making money. Under Armour, look, it's about financial uh, uh Discipline and, and efficiency, and that's not a great story. A new management team, it's going to take them some time. It's not even close here. Uh, and to me, I know because Nike's run, it's sometimes not as easy to jump into that play, but I'm all Nike here. All right, well, in honor of the Final Four showdown this weekend, our traders are giving their own slam dunk stock. So we kick it off with Tim, what's your pick? So I guess I'll just keep going here. Look, it's obvious <laughs> to me that Nike is the story here. And the reason I like it is not only are they growing U.S. comps, but the, the Chinese businesses we talked about is, is very important. And innovation means these guys get the price. They're not discounting DTC Nike. Steve. It's a name that has performed. I think will continue to perform. They own the dating world, Match.com. Brian. Uh, for me, you want something that's really going to pop on a jump. R-I-G, Rig, Transocean. That's the way to play it. Dan. Uh, yeah, Snap. It was my final trade last night. I'm reiterating it. Mark Mahaney over at RBC upgraded the Mahaney's. stock after the close today. I think this thing has momentum to keep going up. Interesting. All right. That does it for us here on Fast. We'll see you back here on Monday at 5 o'clock. Don't go anywhere. Options Action starts right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.